friend, I'm Rye Myers, your Broadway and Entertainment BFF, and thank you so much for listening to Live with Rye, the podcast. After launching Live with Rye in the fall of 2020 as a digital live stream talk show on YouTube and in the height of the pandemic, and after literally almost everyone calling my digital talk show your podcast, I figured it was finally time to put these episodes in podcast form. So here you go. These episodes, which you will listen to, are from over the last two years, starting from fall 2020 through the beginning of 2022, so some of these episodes may focus on topics and events that have already occurred. Consider it your official Throwback Thursday podcast, if you will. But, my dear friend, that's not all. Stay tuned for exclusive new weekly interviews with some of the best and brightest names in the Broadway, pop culture, and entertainment business, because I am your Broadway and entertainment BFF after all, and I have interviewed some of the biggest names in show business from Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award winners, so you definitely will want to stay tuned to see who I have next. I hope you get value out of this podcast, and so as they all say before every podcast episode, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to leave a rating and review. But I ask that you please leave a kind review and rating. And listen, if you didn't like an episode, the world does not need more of your negativity, so just don't leave a review then. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and let me know who you'd like to hear. XOXO, Rye Myers, talk show host, producer, and your Broadway and entertainment BFF. Enjoy the episode. Hey friends, Rye Myers here, your Broadway and entertainment BFF, and welcome to Live with Rye the Podcast. I'm so thrilled you're joining me today. And hey, listen, if this is your first time here, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a rating or review. And if you're watching me on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Also, in case you're new here as well, I've taken all of my past episodes of my virtual talk show, Live with Rye, Rye, and turned them into podcast form. So every Thursday, I release a throwback episode, which is one of my past episodes. And now I'm starting to record brand new episodes like the one you're going to hear today. So I am so excited and I hope you enjoy. Today's episode, I will be talking to the incredible Neil DeStolfo, the creator of Mr. Miss America, currently making its world premiere at Rattlestick Playwrights Theater through August 7th. I'm so excited. I'm going to be seeing the show this Thursday. So please help me welcome the incredible Neil DeStolfo. Hey, Neil. Yay! Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Did I say it right? Perfection. Perfection, right? Fabulous. Fabulous. I know what it's like to get a last name wrong or have it, you know, so I always like to check and make sure. Beautifully done. Thank you. You're welcome. So how's your Monday going so far? You know, so far, fine, I would say. It's a little rainy. Yes. Um, Actually, it started well because yesterday I went to the laundromat and they had lost my laundry, which true New York horror story. And I was like, what happens when that happens? And then this morning they had found it. So actually a great Monday. Well, that is a great Monday. Uh, That is my worst fear. Um, If I ever Mm -hmm. get my laundry done at places that they're going to lose it. So it's like I have one in the basement here at my place. But um, yeah, it's always Uh, scary. Yes. (laughs) So um, tell me a little bit about the concept behind Mr. Miss America. Absolutely. So the show uh, follows Derek Tyler Taylor, who is competing in the 86th annual Miss Southwestern Virginia pageant. And so the show is a solo show. And Derek speaks to the audience in uh, what we would call like direct address. So he, he's sort of narrating uh, his backstory, what's brought him to the pageant, lets them know a little bit about what they 
will expect from pageant proceedings. And then he takes us on stage and he does the swimsuit portion. And then he comes off stage and talks. So we go through uh, the full pageant um, and are sort of experiencing it through Derek's eyes as maybe his like imaginary friends or support group that most well, support group maybe sounds like there's a problem, but like his, his fans that he has invited um, and is taking along with him. That's really exciting. And what have you enjoyed most about um, bringing this show here to make its world premiere in New York City? What have I enjoyed most? I mean, it's really been a treat top to bottom. I would say because it is a direct address show, uh, it's really fun to uh, experience how different each audience is. Mm -hmm. um, there are sections where Derek is really asking them questions, needs them to participate a little bit. And here in New York, there are some audiences where they are like game and they're jumping right in, right up top, and they're very vocal. And there are others where they need a little bit more coaxing. And even men are maybe a little less on board with that whole idea. So as a performer, it, it keeps me on my toes. Um, and also I'm like so often just like really thrilled and tickled by uh, things that the audience contributes and, right. uh, and how they support Derek. It's really sweet. Well, that's really exciting. And that was what I, I was actually gonna lead you to next was what has the audience reaction been like for you? I mean, it must be exciting to obviously have audiences come and see it. I know it's extended already um, once, which is great. So what, aside from, you know, it sounds like most of them are engaging, some need coaxing, what has that audience response been like? I'm sure you're getting a lot of positive responses and a lot of, um, you know, so what are their responses? Yeah, luckily positive, at least to my face. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been really, um, it's been really encouraging, you know, I think in rehearsing a solo show, it's so, this is my first solo show, so I don't have much experience, but, um, and rehearsing a comedy, it is just this thing of like, oh God, how can we anticipate what the audiences are going to do? And so you build in jokes, but you kind of wonder and, and, um, and when you're rehearsing it, obviously after like the first week of rehearsal, no one's laughing in the rehearsal room anymore. Um, they're like, yes, we know we've heard it. So it's been really great. Um, to hear the audiences laugh. And there are moments um, where we're touching in with a little bit more tenderness um, and the audience is going along with that as well. There's a real heart to the show and a vulnerability to the character. And so, yeah, I, I think what's been really encouraging is just how present folks are. I know that at least, you know, the way that I feel about going to live theater right now is I'm really hoping for a fun time, but also an experience where I feel something. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm grateful that uh, folks are laughing, but also when they're experiencing a little bit more of the tenderness, they're not like, oh, I don't want to be like, I don't want to feel right now. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. I just want to like tune out. And I've been really happy that they, they're like tuning in, which is cool. Yeah. Well, and we need theater like that, as you said, that people can tune into that, you know, sort of tells that story that um, keeps them engaged. So I think that mm. having something like this is so important. And, you know, with the show, being that it's a one person show, I mean, that's got to be so tough to remember the lines night after night. It's self-direct. So, I mean, I know you wrote it, so it is from sort of your lens and your perspective. But are there times where you forget what you say and you have to make up something or 
do you pretty much oh my have God. that? Well, now that we're talking about it, I'm going to knock on wood. I was about to say, like, nope, haven't gone up on a line yet. But watch, like, tonight's show, I'm going to be like, um, I run the show. I, like, I run the show by myself before every performance. So, like, as I'm, I don't know, like, walking around the neighborhood or whatever, I will say all of the lines to myself. So, at this point, and I've been working on the show since 2017. Mm-hmm. Has changed a little bit, but for the most part, a lot of the text has stayed intact. So it is, it is like muscle memory at this point. But I think more than remembering the lines, it's sort of because um, you know it can, it can go into that autopilot thing, right? Um, but like that's not fun for anyone. Like that's not fun for me. And even if I can like get away with the audience not knowing that I'm on autopilot like Mm -hmm. I don't want to like that's just not how I would like to spend my time so really what's happening now is just trying to make sure that I'm getting out of like well maybe I say this line a certain way um and every night it's sort of like well what if I didn't say it that way like what if my inflection was on a different word or is that actually the way uh my voice wants to move through that line or whatever that is so I, I think less than remembering it's it's coming to it as if it's new every performance is really what i'm trying to work on i love that that's really exciting to hear no i'm sure you'll be great you know you have you've been doing it this, <laughs> this you've been doing it great all this time i'm sure you will continue to do so um did you you know did you grow up doing pageants was this something that you have experience with or did this just sort of come about in creating the story Yes, I have a long, illustrious pageant career. No, right? I've never been to a pageant. <laughs> I have never. Um, I I love pageant stories. Okay. Like Miss Congeniality, Drop Dead Gorgeous is probably the, these are films, uh, probably the most direct influence on this play's sensibility and on my sense of humor. Um, so no, I, I have no experience with pageants. I mean, I have researched a great amount um, and especially researched Southern pageants and pageant culture because mm-hmm. um, it is its own world. I think what really drew me to the world as a storyteller, um, it's such a finite sort of experience where you know the stakes, they're really clear. Everyone who's in these pageants imbues them with maybe higher stakes than we might say from the outside. like the title of Miss Southwestern Virginia, we don't even hear if there's a cash prize with it or like we know, or actually it's not really addressed in the show, but they might move on to the Miss Virginia pageant, but really the stakes are confined to this one pageant. And really what drew me is um, how localized it is. And what I can relate to is like growing up, you just, you see these things that are local to i'm from long island and and um there might have been these things that were very specific to my school or my town that were like the biggest dream that i could dream right like mm-hmm. um being student body president or prom king or whatever they are um and that becomes your version of I was going to say World Series, but I'm not using sports references, uh, like of the Oscars or whatever. Um, and so I love this idea that it is this young boy growing up in this place where Miss Southwestern Virginia was 
the the highest of highs that one could hope to reach and um and Derek is competing as the first ever male contestant which is something that he he never really conceived of the logistics like how that would happen mm-hmm. but he never doubted his ability and um and here he is on like the biggest night of his life hoping that his dreams come true and uh and i think that element is something that i could hook into and and hopefully audiences can as well everyone has their own version of the miss southwestern virginia pageant you know yeah no everyone does and i think that that's what's really exciting about it and i think it's so fascinating that you have this interest and passion and sort of uh uniqueness for hearing pageant stories and all that you've taken that and um you know turn this into a one person show for those who haven't seen it hopefully you see it soon let me just read a little bit about what the show is about this is tonight is the night y'all it's the 86th annual miss southwestern virginia pageant and derek tyler taylor is fighting tooth and nail and well manicured nail to win the crown but when the road to victory is bumpier than a sock full of skittles derek must decide how dirty he's willing to play to make his lifelong dream come true so hopefully that sounds so exciting for all of you listening and to go and see it. Here's hoping. Now, this is so exciting that it's the world premiere. I mean, obviously the show ends this coming week, but is there, you know, has there been talk of what's sort of next with it? Are you hoping to license it or to take it out on the road to maybe do it again off Broadway? Let's sort of like uh nothing that i can talk about yet i would okay. say um but uh it's certainly my hope that i i get to continue telling the story i'm i'm interested in what it would be like to do it in some other places um mm-hmm. but i i think um and i've been so grateful to be at the rattle the rattlestick was sort of like my dream home for this for this first run um, and so, and it's been just so lovely to be there. Um, I think, you know, my hope would be to keep it here in New York for a little bit longer, just uh, imagining that uh, the summer has been sort of tough to do theater in. Uh, I got COVID, a couple other waves of COVID passing through. So um, yeah, I'd love another shot at it <laughs> at full health and uh, and hoping our audiences can stay healthy. Um, but really, I mean, if it were to end on, uh, so we're as of now ending on Sunday, uh, if it were to end, it's been a really sweet ride. And, and I, you know, after five years of working on this, uh, it's just been such a treat. Yeah. It sounds like it, that, and it's so rewarding. And, you know, as a performer, as a creator, I mean, what was that process like for you in getting this to the rattlesnake in the sense of, obviously you created this, did you have you know, a team behind you that helped you bring this here? Did you, you know, find a producer and pitch this to them? Or did you take this to Rattlesnake, um, sorry, um, Rattlestick itself and, uh, yeah, Rattlestick itself and sort of pitch it to them and then sort of the things fell into place. I think there's a lot of people out there who sort of like you maybe have their own work they've created or their own music or something and they want to, you know, get it out there in sort of this public forum. And so, you know, if you talk a little bit about how you sort of got this to where it is at Rattlestick. Yeah, I mean, it's for anyone that is a, a creator of, 
stuff, I think they would relate to this idea that like, especially when you're starting, like this is my first produced piece. Mm -hmm. um, I had no clue. Like when I started, also I've never written a solo show. I didn't really have a ton of experience even seeing solo work. So when I started writing this, I was just sort of like, I don't know what this is. I always thought it was gonna be just a, a regular play with more characters than just Derek. And that's just sort of not the way it turned out when I was writing it. You know, this character just had the strongest voice. And I was like, huh, I wonder. I also liked the idea that I wouldn't need very many constraints. Um, mm -hmm. I come from sort of a background of like, I'll do it in a parking lot. I'll do it in a bathroom, like whatever. I will just, if you, if there's anyone to hear my story, like I'll put it up. I don't need anything really. Um, and so I'm sure that that was partly baked into the conceit of it. As far as the logistical steps, um, yeah, there were readings along the way, uh, some self-produced. Uh, where I just, I had a collaborator, my dear friend, Noah Averback Katz, who came on really early and we were sort of cooking it up together as just sort of like a creative thing that we wanted to work on. Mm -hmm. I self-produced a reading and invited everyone I knew. And some people came, but uh, if there was an idea of like, oh, and this is how it's going to get in front of like producers, like I didn't know producers. So no producers came to that. The way that this actually got uh, led to my producers are a theater company called All for One AFO, and they uh, specialize and focus on solo work. I was doing a reading of a friend's play, my friend Daniel K. Isaac. Uh, Page 73 was doing a reading for him. I was in that. I was at the drinks after, and this incredible uh, sort of like fairy godfather for this project, Jeffrey Steinman was just chatting with with me after and asked what else I was up to. I mentioned the show. I then saw him a couple of weeks later at Ars Nova. We were both just seeing a show. He was like, hey, I'm having lunch with these folks that run this theater company called AFO. They just do solo work. Do you want me to mention your show? I was like, would love. We then sent them, they then asked if they could read the script. I sent it. I then had lunch with who's now my uh, producing artistic director, Nick Coates. And uh, and that was 2019. I first started working with them, and here we are, three years later. So the thing that I I like to say is just like you truly just never know. Um, and so saying yes at every turn and trusting that if things don't feel right, we'll be able to exercise boundaries and say so. But just sort of being like, yeah, who knows? That's exactly right i mean always that i get the biggest thing from that is always say yes right because you never know what's going to happen always say yes you never know what's around the corner unless you know it's a no if you right. if you know that this is not right then we say no but if you are sort of like yeah who knows i i'm a big fan of being like sure you know of course let's, let's go but you always say yes. My thing, I, I, well, I always say, say yes to opportunity. If that arises and is at your door, right? If it's something that is not, you know, um, fitting or not good, of course you say no. But I, I always say yes to, you know, what's around your door. So, um, mm. or what's knocking at your door, shall we say? 
So, so you've had such a, an exciting career and you continue to have an exciting career. But tell us, how did you get your start uh, into performing? I mean, you've been on Comedy Central, you've worked with Stephen Colbert. I mean, so how did, how did you get started in, in all of that in performing? How did I, well, as a young, I was just going to say gay, but I'm sure there's a better adjective. I always wanted to perform sort of like begged my mother to get me an agent when I was in fifth grade. I'm from Long Island. So I then started auditioning, did a little, was uh, a featured extra on Law and Order in fifth grade, then let that sort of die down. Because uh, I was like, oh. I didn't know anyone that had ever been an artist. And so it was like, I should probably do something practical. Um, and so went to college, got a political science degree, was an athlete. And then in my last year, uh, there was an arts requirement where they said you have to take an arts class. So I took an acting class because I secretly was always like, I'll get discovered somehow. And uh, and at that school at Middlebury College in Vermont, um, professors were very encouraging. And so I quit my sport my senior year. I did a couple plays, but then I graduated with a job offer from a consulting firm. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll just do this. One of my professors was like, I have a feeling that's not really it for you. And I was like, okay. And then, yeah, some folks started talking about grad school. And I was like, for what? And they were like, for acting. And I was like, I didn't know that was a thing. So I auditioned without telling anyone. I would like book a little rehearsal studio at Shetler Studios. It was down the street from me and do my little monologues by myself. I auditioned sort of without telling anyone. I got into Columbia's MFA acting program where I met like, you know, friends and teachers that changed my life, graduated. And uh, and I, I love hearing you say that I've had an exciting career. <laughs> I, think, you I think it's been, thank you. I think it's been really exciting. It is just like, um, to me, the most exciting bits are just sort of like the unknown things that have popped up. I would say like the real turning point was probably uh, really embracing comedy. When I graduated from drama school, I thought I was just going to do serious stuff. Um, started doing comedy and that's where I was at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater as a house performer, which is where I got some opportunities to start auditioning for uh, some things that Stephen Colbert was making and then was invited to be on this show called Stephen Colbert Presents Tuning Out the News, which is moving from Paramount Plus to Comedy Central for this upcoming third season. Um, and yeah, that's sort of, and then writing Mr. Miss America and a couple of other things along the way. Um, yeah, I would say writing and making my own work and leaning into comedy were sort of like the watershed things. Well, that's very exciting. Well, on top of that, you know, how is the cannoli making going? We say that, Rye says that, because I think I have in my bio, like, and he's working on making his own cannoli. Yes. Um, we're still at the ideation phase of how, we're maybe still taste testing. Um, it is a concept more than uh, a concrete thing that's happening at the moment, but I'm very encouraged. Maybe once the show closes on Sunday, I'll spend the rest of August um, working on my cannoli making. Well, that's good to know. And you're, hey, you're a step ahead of me because I 
I just like to eat them. So I don't, I don't have the time to even make them. So I mean, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, have never even had a cannoli. And I would have oh. said, we need to change that. No, no, no. I've had a cannoli. No, no, no. Cannolis are great. Um, but, uh, you know, you actually, it was funny. I was watching one of your fun promos you did for the show and you, you went to the music man and spoke with Hugh Jackman about this. Uh, yes. how, that was fun. Did you, was that planned or do you know, do you know Hugh? Um, yes, and- Hugh, Hugh is an old friend. He actually asked me to come by. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, w- we had this idea for me to be my character, Derek Tyler Taylor in Times Square. Um, and I thought I was just gonna be talking to strangers and then being in Times Square on a matinee day, you sort of realize like, oh, there's like, you know, maybe some more opportunities. So we actually bumped into a friend of mine who was in grew up in the North Country. And then that sort of got the wheels turning where um, one of our producers was like, what if we went, like we realized that the music man was letting out mm-hmm. and was around the corner from where we were. So they were like, why don't we just go to the stage door? And I haven't, I haven't been to the stage door for anything in years and was like, I think it's going to be mobbed. I think it's going to be nuts. And, and it was, but we got there right before the show let out. So I was right in front and Hugh came out and went straight for me <laughs> and was like, I saw you before. If you roll back the tape, you're going to see me in the background. And I'm thrilled that I stayed in character, but also that the character was just as excited as I was. Um, and yeah, getting to ask Hugh Jackman about how he deals with stage fright. And his, he was just really sweet and um, very encouraging, which is exactly what I would have expected. I mean, that's very, that is so sweet and very encouraging. And I, and I love to hear that. Did you go back and roll the tape? Did you see him behind you? Uh, I did not roll the tape. I imagine someone might have. And I think if he had been in there, we would have done that thing where like, we use the footage and then circle the Hugh Jackman form in the background. Right, right. So I don't think he was there, but I should also say in our show in Mr. Miss America, Derek tells a story of going of a very impactful stage door moment that he had with his um, idol, a person that changed his life, who may have just closed the show where Chris Harper paid her salary. Um, and, and so there is a, a reference point for going to the stage door and having a moment with someone like that. Oh, that's funny. Well, yes, yes. Well, unfortunately, he's not paying it anymore. But um, yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes, that's uh, yes, that that sounds like it's it's uh, that's lovely. I can't wait to hear it when I come and see it. So mm-hmm. as we finish up here, you know, where can uh, people keep up with you? And you know, do you have anything else to add before we finish up about Mr. Miss America or anything you're working on? Um, no, I mean, I have a social media, um, I'm on Instagram. I'm not, I'm, I have a Twitter, but I don't really know how to use it. Um, at Neil DeStolfo, it's just my first last name without the apostrophe. Um, Mr. Miss America running through August 7th. Please come see us for our last few shows. Uh, if you've already seen or you see and you want to tell folks about it, that would be really, really sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's probably it. Well, that's amazing. Well, I hope everyone goes and sees Mr. Miss America at Rattlestick Playwrights Theater. It's through August 7th, which is this coming Sunday. I'm so excited. I'm going to be seeing it this week. It's what we need right now. I love new work. I love seeing new work. I love people who create new work. So 
This is so exciting, Neil. Um, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today and to share this with me and my audience. Thank you so much, Ryan. It was a treat, and I can't wait to see you Thursday. I can't wait. I'll see you on Thursday. Thank you, Neil. You're welcome. Have a good one. You too. Great, thanks. Before we go, can we do a screenshot? I'm going to do a screenshot of a photo of us. We can just smile. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. We just end the broadcast. Um, Hi, friend. It's Rye Myers, your Broadway and entertainment BFF. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Live with Rye, the podcast. I hope you got value out of it. Hey, do me a big favor. Download this episode and make sure you subscribe to this podcast and also leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The more five-star ratings and review that I have, the better this podcast does. So I need your help and support. So make sure you leave that five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast. And hey, if you want to watch this episode or all my other podcast episodes in video form, you can click the link in the show notes to go to my YouTube channel where you can see all of these episodes in video form. It's really, really cool. So make sure you head over there to watch this in full video form as well. Well, thank you so much for watching, and I will see you next Thursday for another episode of Live with Rye the Podcast. Make sure you keep it locked here for all episodes of Live with Rye the Podcast. Thanks so much, and have a great night.